Welcome to PodPod, the podcast all about podcasting for all you lovely podcasters. I'm Rihanna Dillon and I am joined this week by Reem Makari, who is PodPod journalist and researcher, and Adam Shepard, editor of PodPod. Hi to you both. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Very good. How are you? All good, thank you. It's been quite a fun week because I've been on Kermode and Mayo's podcast. They've been away, so I'm the stand-in. How was that? Good. It was really fun. I did it with Anna Bogutskaya, who's a great film critic, friend. Yeah, we had a blast. And also a fellow podcaster, I believe, right? Absolutely. She does so many. We need to get her on the show at some point. She does so many with Mike, actually. They do a lot of podcasts together. She's like the third podcaster in our marriage, basically. (laughs) It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been really fun. It's been nice kind of delving back properly into the world of film and TV with her. Uh, Yeah, what have you guys been up to? Uh, We've been trying to keep up with the avalanche of podcast launches this week. (laughs) It's been a lot. (laughs) I got this press release about Off Menu, who are going live. They're going on tour. Mm. You know, we kind of thought this was quite a good topic, considering this week we're talking all about guest bookings. They've got a different guest every single show. How do you think this is going to contribute to the podcasting landscape? Well, podcast live shows have just hugely taken off in the last year or so. It's become a really solid and reliable money spinner for a lot of podcasts. I mean, you know, in our second episode, we had Alistair Campbell talking about the rest is politics selling out the Palladium in seven minutes. And I think they did the same again with the Royal Albert Hall following that recording. You've got a ton of other live podcasts that have been just steadily bringing in revenue. Of course, No Such Thing as a Fish, who we spoke to a couple of weeks ago, have been touring for years. It's becoming a real staple of a lot of podcasters' monetization and promotion strategies. So it's kind of, it's not super surprising that, you know, two well-established comedians are now picking up on that as well. With them going on tour, because they're going to be going across, you know, like uh, Birmingham, Bristol, Glasgow, and even in Dublin. And what I'm interested to see is what kind of guests they're going to be bringing on because they have Mm. big name guests on the show. They have celebrities. I think they recently had Lily Allen. They had Florence Pugh. Mm. I've downloaded the Florence Pugh one. I'm very excited for that. Yes. The biggest foodies (laughs) reuniting. (laughs) Yes. So they always have amazing guests on. And I'm wondering how they're going to do that on tour. Like, what kind of guests are they going to be bringing on tour? Because most of their guests, they get into the studio. So I'm wondering what they're going to be doing for the live shows. Are they also going to be bringing in some big name people as well? Or is it going to be some more local Mm. celebs, depending on which city they're at? So going to the Brighton Dome on the 25th of November. I'm from Brighton. Just just saying. (laughs) Could be around for that. Mm. So I've recently started getting into podcast uh, live shows after going to see Greg Jenner's You're Dead to Me recorded live. So this is one that I would be very keen to go and see. So uh, lads, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, a couple of tickets for Rihanna and myself wouldn't uh, wouldn't go miss. Oh, and Reem, obviously Reem. Is gonna come. We should do. To be fair, we should do a pod pod team outing. Ooh, that would be team terrible. outing. Yes. 
So this week we interview Fiona Fraser, who is the founder of a specialist podcast agency, POW PR, and she bills herself as the first and only PR company completely dedicated to podcasting. Whether you are just starting out, whether you need help with developing a podcast, or whether you're just looking for growth, she has something for everybody. So I interviewed her along with Matt Hill and we talked all about how to find guests, how to book guests for your podcasts. Hopefully we give you some really useful practical tips with that. Here she is, Fiona Fraser. Fiona Fraser, welcome to PodPod. Thank you. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. We're delighted to have you. Thank you so much. We've we've sort of had quite a few guests on who we kind of get quite theoretical advice from. And I feel like this week is going to be proper practical advice that people can really take on board and use in their own podcasts, which is so vital. So thank you so much. Definitely. I'm all about getting it done. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be talking about guest bookings. And I suppose, first of all, do you think that podcasts are usually enhanced by having guests on? Is there a sort of rule of thumb when it comes to having a guest on your podcast? A hundred percent. The way I work with podcasts is I'm very much in the entertainment podcasting industry. So podcasting is a job. And also I work with people who do podcasting for business Either side, you benefit from, from guests, I would say. And if I'm advising someone like doing it for themselves, I'd always say like maybe one guest like a month uh-huh. if they're like an independent podcaster because yeah. then that's just quite achievable. What you don't want is to be held back because you haven't got guests and you can't put an episode out that week if you've decided on your whatever your schedule is. Yeah. Listening habit is so important to, mm-hmm. to stick to. Well, what are the sort of the big benefits of having guests on your show then? It mixes it up. You know, you can basically access people who bring in new audiences to your to your show. So if you're, I guess if we're talking about a celeb-based show, if you're going to get another celeb on, obviously you're going to do the work of providing them with the assets to share on social media. Um, so they, they share it and then they're creating interest with new people that might not have heard the podcast before or coming in. It works especially well if they've already got a podcast. Um, I mean, that's that's the kind of dream scenario. Can you give us a few examples of guests that you've placed that you're particularly proud of? I'm quite split in terms of how I do things. So in terms of the industry, I do PR for people. But part of that now, I am pitching guests. But as you know, it takes kind of longer to get those placements. So if you're, say, for example, I'm pitching to the High Performance Podcast, they're like a couple of months out. You don't get that instant result sometimes like you would with PR. So that's been quite quite a change. Can you give us a bit of an overview of, of the podcasts out there that are receiving pitches for guests that you're going out to with your clients obviously you've got the high performance podcast Stephen Bartlett's looking for guests at the moment so on Instagram if anybody's uh <laughs> wants to put themselves forward for that so, pretty big deal if you've heard of that one he's looking for guests <laughs> and I'm working with a couple of independent podcasters at the moment I mean they're like number one in Ireland um so I'm, I'm doing for her so she's looking for guests and she wants to be a guest Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like building up these contacts that then they can all sort of support each other a bit, really. It's really like beneficial because imagine you saw Stephen Bartlett on the High Performance Podcast. In my opinion, I don't know what they would say, but I think they're slightly different audiences enough that if you did, if they would do it together, I think you would, they would both get like a huge boost from each other. Mm-hmm. So that would be, for me, that would be like a dream guest, guest in swap in like the most extreme sense of like, this is, you know, if you're going to go for the top. And I think that's why when I was working on Restless Politics, 
when they had guests, we got so much PR for them. So it, obviously it was Sir Tony Blair, Sir Keir Starmer, people we would have heard of, but they weren't doing guests to begin with. Mm. But those kind of like when they did have guests, they could have access to these huge guests and they give these interviews that they say things they would not say on television, they would not say on radio, they would not say on a newspaper interview. And I remember the Sakir Sama one was something like, basically Boris is a bullshitter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got that everywhere because he wouldn't go on the BBC and say that, would he? No. So it's such a different interview. You see people more themselves, I think, but they've built the podcast up to have such a profile that those guests would, would do it, basically. And then obviously you look at things like from these agents who are, are getting great guests all the time as well now they're getting stories being placed with them like you would so from a PR point of view if you're like right I've got working on a story and we're going to put them on BBC News to do it they're now doing it so that it'll be on to the news agents or mm. the rest is politics because we're talking about people who do already have quite high profiles like they really kind of had yes. platforms in the past and now have just kind of yeah. like moved into podcasting if you are a new podcaster you don't have that same profile but obviously you do want to get guests on where would you suggest those podcasters start at the first few rungs of the ladder people want to be on podcasts so you know never be afraid to ask somebody because the worst case scenario is really flattering and they'll be like oh i've been asked to be on the podcast this is so cool <laughs> Nine times out of ten, the people I work with, when they like, who's your dream person you want to be in your podcast? And like, they'll say it, and I say, go and ask them. And they say yes, and it's like, they're like, I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Why can't you believe it? Because people want to be on podcasts and get the, the benefit of them. But also have some sense to it, you know, like don't just be like, oh, this is my favourite person in the world, so I'd love to, to chat to them. There's an element of like explaining to them why it's a good idea for them, for them to do it as well. So it's it's all in the pitch. Can you break that down? Like, what is a brilliant first email, cold email to send to an agent or direct to the guest you want to get on the show to really butter them up, to only say yes to your email? I have actually got a template for this as well that you can get from me. <laughs> if you want to steal it, it works as if you're pitching, but you could do it both ways. It needs to be personalised. Do not just copy and paste Flattery gets you everywhere. So why do you want them on there? What are they going to bring to your show? What value are they going to give to your listeners? Why is it a good idea? And maybe you create that particular episode around something very specific to them. So it's kind of a no-brainer. So I guess it's a bit of a sell, but it should be an easy one if you've, if you've done the work in terms of working out why they should be on there anyway um, and why it makes sense, what the episode's about. All the information, very clear, less is more in these situations. Mm-hmm. And what about the things that you should definitely not do in an email to a guest? Get people's names wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so this is why when you copy and paste, a lot of the times, you know, oh. it can be really easy to just like get people's names wrong or miss out certain details. So if you can only do three at a time, just concentrate on those three at a time <laughs> rather than sending out 25 um, and get them all right and have the bits in about why, you know, you're a fan of them. What's so great about them? Why you think they make a great guest? And, and put the work into getting the people that you want, mm-hmm. rather than just being like blanket email out to to everybody. If you've got a really clear podcast concept anyway, then it should be really easy to identify your guests for it because you know you've got a concept, you've got people that talk about those kind of things. That sh- that should kind of marry up, and you should probably be in that world. Anyway, so if I'm in podcasting, I know people in podcasting. So if I want to speak to someone about X, Y, Z, you know, I'll know who to go to. So 
if you're living in that world, just have some a rolling document for yeah. ideas for that or however you do it. I mean, I'm sure people could have gone about Notion and whatnot, but it could literally just be like an Excel spreadsheet, which is how I do it, of things that I'm seeing that are interesting and that I can come back to. Because it depends how you record. Yeah, that's true. Well, I want to come back into that, actually. But just quickly, because obviously we have a shorthand as podcasters that we sort of are all in a similar world and we kind of know what we're talking about when we ask people to guest on a podcast. What if our guests are not at all used to podcasts? They have no idea really what that means. How do you sort of convince them that this is a worthy thing to do? Just throw whatever weight you've got behind it. So if it's that you've got a certain amount of Instagram followers or a really engaged newsletter... Or just that you are a person of influence that it's good for them to be seen with. You know, pick your kind of angle and and go for it and be like, this is the benefit to you as well. They're giving up their time. Mm. Ask them what they want to get out of it as well. Because, for example, if you're aiming for big celebs, you might ask somebody, I say Ryland, I don't know why, because I was looking on Instagram last night, he's quit strictly. So I'm like, oh, he's going to go available in the next six months. (laughs) He's just on my mind. Uh, someone that I'm like, okay, just like keeping that in mind mm-hmm. because podcasts that come up that want guests, I'm like, he, he could be available. So, you know, obviously that's quite, it's quite a famous example. But, you know, if you're just thinking about it in your day-to-day life and keeping track of it a little bit, hopefully it'll make it easier for you. Because for me, one of the things I get told is that it is such a drain, the time management mm-hmm. of like getting people booked in and people cancel and move, which I think is really bad guest etiquette don't be that person that keeps cancelling we have a few shows where the problem we have with guests are that you think oh that's a special guest they might be good for the show and they bring a crowd but then you see once you've recorded that they're also doing five or six other Mm. shows in quick succession and by the time you're out there's a kind of like a fatigue of that guest and you've kind of lost the reason why they'd be on the show in the first place because they've said everything elsewhere. How do you, as someone who's representing some of those guests that you're pitching in, how do you keep them fresh and not overuse them within the market? I think just to spread it really well and be conscious of that as well. My background is PR, worked in TV for 13 years doing PR. So if I was working on the PR, I'll be conscious that like if they're going to be in the Times, they're probably not going to be in the Telegraph. If they're going to be on Radio 2 Breakfast, they're not going to be on Steve Wright in the afternoon because it, it's all about the kind of the spread and, and being fair. I mean, and it's, that's not just on me because the, the bookers would also be really angry with me if I was over, overbooking them. So I guess for me, it's interesting because it just it's ingrained in me not to do that. And also, I guess it kind of depends because the way I split it is if you're an expert and you want to be on podcasts, you know, you can split it across very different podcasts. So this is my second recording today, but the person I've done it with, you will not have heard of. And there's no way that that is a split. But in my world, these are two of the biggest podcasts there are. So it's just sort of managing that a bit. I could appreciate if people got one message they're trying to sort of promote or whatever, but there'll be listener fatigue as well. And it's it's not good for anybody, is it, if they're just... Everyone say, saying the same thing. From the podcaster's perspective, uh, is it rude to ask who else are they going to be on? Like, is this going to work for us? No, I don't think so. I think you're entitled to ask about that. Like, you are the podcaster. This is your podcast, your show. I appreciate that, like, there's sometimes there's elements of, like, look, to put this in a TV terms, there's a kind of hierarchy of, like, Graham Norton first, then it's probably, like, the one show this morning. <laughs> Good morning, Bren. Sorry, TV people, don't hate me. But that is just how it works. You've left. You're dropping that bomb and you're walking away. You're on yeah, podcast now. I, I mean, I, I kind of 
And I think Graham Norton would say, they would assume if I've gone to them, they're not going to be on this morning or he's always Graham Norton first. Mm. Does that apply to podcasts as well then? Like, is there a, a hierarchy of podcasts that can you share it with us? Well, there is. It's called The Charts. Number one, number two, number three. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Technically. But no, for me, the reason I love podcasts more than TV is because it's not that simple. Because it depends. Your hierarchy will be different to mine. So this is number one for me, this podcast today. I'm like really excited. Yeah. And the one I just did earlier as well. I, I don't, you know, from in terms of like my work... This is it, the pinnacle. So I don't know where to go from here, frankly. Um, I need to go work that. <laughs> Listen, this is meant to be quite a, a practical conversation, but I'm going to throw a couple of hypotheticals at you. Yes, go. How do you spin it so that you get the same guest on table manners and off menu, for example? Two similar <sighs> shows, similar audiences. I speak to my friends at ACAST. <laughs> I think I would. So I would go in probably with different premises. So that's the other thing as well. When you work in PR, you know, it's, you're never pitching the same thing all the time. You have ways of making it different. It's a strategy. You know, you do that as a, as a strategy at the start of any sort of work. The thing I would say about that is because of the recording schedules, it's not like if you record on the same day, they're going to go out in the same even three months. So you don't, you don't know. So this is the challenge I get. It's like someone's availability is hit, like, you know, at a certain point, and then it might come out next week or it might come out in six months so it's again it's managing that spread as well i ask all of that up front mm. so if you were pitching back to the rest is politics now with a guest that you also wanted on the news agents how do you square that mm-hmm. because you know they are two very competitive shows well one might say yes and one might say no so you you definitely ask both the same way i would still ask this morning and good morning britain if i had somebody relevant for them because I don't know what their schedules are. I don't know what their gaps are, what my timelines are, what, you know, in terms of the, when I say mine, the guests' timelines are when I've got them, when the work's happening. It's lots of variables, really. So, and then, you know, an ideal case. And if they both say yes. I was going to say ideal case, they both say yes. And then you decide <laughs> based on, it could be any number of things, which one's going to be out sooner. If the guests have a personal connection with them or preference in terms of like, they think they would get on better with one or the other so that's an interesting one because I think most people will like both of them anyway so then it's not like a really divisive ITV versus BBC which is my old TV mindset and the same as table manners and off menu you know you might get both people listen to both of them so I guess you might then want to think about the listeners as well and what you're trying to get out of it if you're the guest what's the call to action you're asking for where's the benefit is there a bigger benefit on either side somewhere like for example I know Alistair Campbell and Instagram is really good so he'll probably share you does that matter to you is that a deal breaker the sharing is a really interesting aspect because obviously that's all part of how you reach other audiences you know when you have a guest on you kind of hope that not only will they bring an audience but they will share that they've been on your podcast and that will go out to whoever follows them but how do you sort of gently encourage them to promote you on their social media or to promote that show do you kind of agree all of that up front or do you just send gentle reminders you know after the recording so if I was a podcaster uh, what I would do is when I'm booking somebody don't say it's non-negotiable mm. most people will do it anyway like let's not start an argument before we have to yeah. unless you're in contracts with some serious people that you're and you're paying money mm. for which again I don't deal with everything I do is it's a promo op so it's not paid so I guess it becomes different if you're like contracting somebody 
to do an interview if it's like a B2B podcast and they need to do a certain number of social shares, yes, fine. If you're if you're signing contracts and there's money, ask what you want. If it's a promo op or, you know, and it's just your dad's get someone, don't I don't think you should enforce like rules like that. But what I would say is just make it really easy for them to share it by having really good stuff made up, posted, tagged, share assets with them as well and say, you know, from their point of view and just be like, oh, in case you want to share directly because, you know, the hamster wheel of content creation is exhausting, which is why, I, you know, I help people with their podcast to overcome that a bit by just cutting it up and like creating, you know, content out of it. You know, if someone's on a podcast, they're probably going to want to share it. And in that aftercare, what goes down well with guests once they've been on a show? I remember back in the day when I was being taught all of this stuff of audio, <laughs> the studio manager used to say, you should always write a letter to the guest and post it to them because uh, they're always happy. <laughs> like, genuinely, this is, I mean, this is like 2009. So it was already quite antiquated. Uh, Sounds like 1909. Have you seen the price of stamps? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always nice to get a letter, right? Yeah. I'm not saying that I still do that. But then you have to ask for their address. It's all good. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a bit of that, isn't there? Well, yeah. that's what you, I mean, that was part of the advice was get their address and do it. So the, what are the nice touches that you can do to make your PR contact and the guests that you've had on feel like this has been a good experience? First of all, have a nice interview with them, make them feel comfortable, you know, all of that, which I'm sure as professionals everyone's doing. But And then at the end, take time to have the, you know, thank them and say what they thought was interesting about it. And, you know, on that call, tell them when you think it's going to be going out. Because, you know, I've had people interviewing me and then someone just messaged me say, oh, your interview is great. I was like, what? They didn't even tell me it was gone out. Oh, I want to share it for you as well. So keep people updated as well when it's going to go out. I know it's hard work because it's a slight churn, but those are the steps that if you miss, you you are really missing out on getting those new audiences in, which is the whole point. So don't fall down there. Make sure people are kept in contact. I mean, if you do it in person, you can give gift bags if you like. People love a gift bag. It's like if you just want to do all these kind of extra touches in terms of like, they're a bit experiential as well because again even then people will share them and just be like oh, i had such a lovely day with so-and-so recording look at me you know all those kind of things start to add up it's building awareness it's all those separate touch points so that if someone saw that story and was like oh that's interesting i'll keep an eye out for that and then two weeks later they see oh there's the episode that it's like oh actually i will go and give that a listen the sort of in-person versus over zoom or whatever you're recording on riverside as we are how does that sort of influence whether people say yes or no to a podcast do you find that guests prefer to do one over the other let's face it it's easy to get people online isn't it like availability wise there's less investment in terms of like leaving the house <laughs> but from when i've done them in person they just feel like a bigger deal mm. and people will just feel even more invested about their appearance so i did one recently in a studio and it's like you know got pictures and i'm still waiting for it to come out because i'm like oh, can't wait to share it because it as the guest, like I've been invited into a studio, someone's recorded me. I feel pretty special, guys, but I'm going to be honest. So, <laughs> I'm so sorry you're not in our studio <laughs> right now. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's fine, but because it's still great. Obviously, it's a mixture. And I know with the audio purists, they're like, never record. If you're going to do one thing, just do one thing well. Maybe think about saying in the first instance that you'd prefer to record in person, but if not possible, then online is fine. Personally, yes, I am very much an in-person person. Mm. So working at home doesn't suit me at all. So if I've got an excuse to go somewhere, mm-hmm. bet I'm going to be getting on that train. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
not everybody's the same. Like they will be like, look, I live in the countryside or whatever, and I'm just not an in-person person. Mm-hmm. And so give them the option as well. Yeah. So I've heard that Stephen Bartlett sends a like a company car out to pick up his guests. And it's the basically the diary of a CEO car. And it's all kind of kitted out with like the the pod artwork and everything goes, picks you up and makes you feel like a million bucks as you go into the studio. Are there other podcasts you've worked with or heard from that do things like that where they just try and get people in the right frame of mind, the guests like feel really impressed by what you're doing? I mean, that's the first time I've heard of anybody in podcasting send the car for somebody. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if you're a big enough guest, you'll get a car. And I mean, that's so him, isn't it? I actually hadn't heard that before. So I do wonder if it's true or not. But I mean, because I've never seen anybody share it. Yeah, I've seen um, some um, photos of it and it has literally got the headrests. But was it once? Yeah, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. That's a very PR thing. Yeah, definitely. So just because you've seen it once doesn't mean it happens every time. That's true. (laughs) Often, I don't, you know, it might not necessarily come if you're just going from podcaster to guest directly, perhaps comes more from external agencies or PR companies. But what about kind of listener numbers? How do you sort of negotiate that? You know, obviously, if, if we've got listeners who don't have the same sort of numbers that the rest of politics yeah. does, and a PR mm-hmm. or an agency is asking, well, how big is your podcast? How many people are you reaching? And you know that a, your numbers aren't necessarily going to sound hugely impressive or you don't even have access to those numbers. How do you get around that? Yeah, I always try to educate people not to listen to the numbers. Uh, coming from TV, where you'd launch a show, the next morning go to work, be refresh, 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 waiting to see mm. what the overnights were. It's like the barometer of a podcast that says is not the, the weekly listeners, in my opinion, in terms of like from a guest point of view. Mm. It's like, is it a good opportunity? Convince them why. Make it easy. As a PR person, I wouldn't ask somebody about the listeners. It definitely happens. No, I know it does. Because so, I, I know people ask me and I, I just always sort of try and explain why that's not important. Mm. And that shouldn't be the reason that you decide to say yes. But of course, if you're not at the top of the charts, but have a big audience, which is entirely possible because the charts are based on momentum and new listeners, mm. necessarily not existing listeners, then you do probably have to do a little bit of convincing, right? Yes. I'd hate for people to think that they have to like have these big numbers to get good guests because it's not true. It's about putting that effort into the personalised outreach, developing the relationships and kind of putting that effort in. Basically, it's like if you're dating, if you're punching above your weight slightly, <laughs> you're bringing the flowers and champagne you know, ahead of time. <laughs> and you want to make people feel a bit special and like, oh, go on then, let's do it. If that's how you, if that's how you need to convince somebody. But I would hope that... You're a podcast and you've got a good podcast, you've got a good sound concept. If it's clear, it should be really easy for people to know if it's a good opportunity for them or not, just with all of the marketing stuff alone. And also the one thing I tell people to help themselves with is with the online digital profile, like look good online. Because mm. the first thing, you ask someone to be in a podcast, they're going to have a quick Google. It's just really easy to tell if someone's good or, I don't know, you get a good impression or not. Because it can be that quick that people are like, oh no, this doesn't look legit. Look legit, look professional. Have you had many experiences of guests being screwed over by podcasts? So the podcast itself may be a very good listen and fully what the guest intended. But then, of course, as soon as they start promoting it on social media and everything is clipped out and taken out of context, it is liable to be more of an ambush. 
a traditional media ambush. I feel like that just doesn't really happen in podcasts and that I've seen in a way that it does in like the tabloid media, for example. But podcasts are being picked up by tabloids for newslines, aren't they? So yes. words are being taken out of podcasts to, yeah. to drive news stories. And it's like, how much of that is the podcaster? I do think there's a big podcaster, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want a name, that clips things up, stitches them together, and it makes it look like it's a really intense listen or conversation. And when you actually listen to the very long podcast, those bits are throughout it. I think you get a bad listener experience from it because you might, it might be successful on social media because you see it and go, oh, I want to go listen to that. It sounds really dramatic. And you get the views and all of that. But then when you go to listen to podcasts, you just think, I've just been conned, basically. And I don't feel good about it. And that wasn't what I was expecting. I've just gave you an hour, an hour and a half of my time. But without naming that podcast then, does that sully that podcast reputation within PR and guest bookings? Are there just shows that PR people think, oh, actually, I don't want to be on that show because it'll be bad for the guest, bad for the client? I don't think there's any that spring to mind that are like, I know go zone. So when you're in PR, it's so obvious that that people are like, no, I'm not touching that with barge pole. I don't think we're quite there yet that we've had that situation where someone's been really taken out of context. And I mean, my advice would always be, as well to podcasters, if guests are worried about that, in terms of the clips, what they're going to share on social, you know, you can give them sight of it. Like like the interview I did this morning, I'm going to, they didn't record it, I did, but I'm going to clip it up and then give them, because it's their podcast, and say, you know, this is what I'm going to use. I guess because coming from TV, that's what you did. You signed clips off. Um, I'm BBC trained, so of course, yeah. everything's by the book. <laughs> I've worked there for nine years, so it's really hard because my brain is just like, no, you just, you just get signed off. Mm. I don't think I've quite seen something go spectacularly wrong, so touch wood, so far. But that signing <laughs> off process isn't really happening in podcasting, right? No, I, I haven't really seen it happen. What I would do if I were you, if you do a podcast interview and you say something you're not happy about, at the end you would say, look, can we have a talk about including that part or not? Mm. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Because like, and I've had conversations with podcasters about your creative rights, your editorial rights. I mean, and presumably most people aren't signing release forms, so they're not waiving their moral rights legally. So there is a bit more of a back and forth. But ideally, the situation you want is the podcaster can edit the thing as they want because it's their show and the guests can walk away feeling happy. Within reason, obviously, within how it happened, you can edit like Mm. not stitched together so that a conversation didn't happen happened and when I say take it out I mean like say for example I gave away a personal detail or something like that where I was like look I don't want people to know where I live but also I think most podcasters are quite good I feel about sort of saying up front look if there's anything you're not comfortable with it's not live so we can cut it it's it's less about like that getting the story type thing it feels like in podcasting anyway right at the moment that's my perception of it too at the moment that's my perception of it as well and if that changes people will stop being as willing to go on them and talk exactly freely which would be really sad so you mentioned earlier about your perspective is that it's pr it's not paid etc but you know there are going to always going to be guests who do ask for payment or expect it either because they haven't been on a podcast before or they have and they will only do work if they get paid and they might see it as work you know, or a paid favour. So what is your kind of response to that? Do you think podcasters should be happy to pay for guests or not? I think if the podcast itself is sponsored, then yes, like I think that's fair enough. Do you mean like branded? Like a branded podcast? Or branded, yeah, branded. If it's branded and you're talking about 
a specific subject and you want an expert to come and talk about that specific subject, then I think you should pay them, mm. potentially. Mm-hmm. I don't think you should offer to pay them outright because it's still a good promo op for them. Mm-hmm. But I could understand if that person was like, look, you want my expertise for free. Mm. But then I would, I'm giving you my expertise for free because I think, well, well, hopefully it's expertise. We'll see. <laughs> but because I think it's a good conversation and it's good for me to talk to other people and then get to know what I think about things. Mm. So I'm always of the mindset like these promos shouldn't be paid ever. But I know that obviously in a creator economy that it gets slightly more complicated. So I've worked with creators who want to get paid for PR and stuff on a project that they're on or podcast that they're associated with which for me was at the first was quite a shock because I was like, well, no, of course you don't get paid for PR. It's a profile building for you. It's all free for you. Mm. Like someone's paying me to make you more well-known and famous. You don't get paid to turn up. Yeah. (laughs) But if that's their job, it's like this is what they do as a job and then that takes them away from a day's work doing whatever it is they're doing. (sighs) I kind of think, well, you know, it's weighing it up, isn't it, as well? And what are the typical fees for that kind of corporate or uh, branded podcast? If you if you are paying someone, what kind of fees are we talking about? I don't, I don't know it'll be a range, but give us a range. Oh gosh, it can start from like two fifty and go up to twenty thousand. From what I've heard, I don't do this as a job for a podcast appearance. Twenty k, twenty thousand. But you have to be pretty famous. Oh to get my that. god. <laughs> Hence, I'm working on my Instagram. Please follow me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the podcast numbers might be pretty small, but the social content around it might be very big. Yes. So sometimes you're paying for some of that larger social impressions, mm. that, you know, to, for the wider brand. Exactly. Uh, so it's part of a deal. The podcast is almost like a bit of a Trojan horse for, for doing a, a lot of social content and influencing. But also there's really specific stuff as well. So, for example, if you're doing work with a pharmaceutical company, which obviously has a lot of regulations attached to it, particularly around promotion anyway, then that in itself involves a lot of money and and, uh, reputation anyway. So you want to charge the right price for that anyway, Mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah, Yeah, I think think generally guesting shouldn't be paid. Like if it's not – if the podcast isn't branded and paid, then the guesting shouldn't be paid. And is there sort of like a general expectation that there's like a bit of a quid pro quo when it comes to podcasting, where if someone's guested on your podcast, you have to guest on theirs, if they have one, which they probably would. (laughs) (laughs) Ideally, they would, because that's obviously that's when you're going to get the growth from both sides, which is the perfect scenario. So if if I would say like, you'd be mad not to do it, basically, Mm. if, um, if there's a crossover, you should absolutely go for it. So... I mean, I guess I suppose it depends if you get on in the first interview. <laughs> and do you get much feedback from podcasters in terms of how successful the growth has been once you've done a swap like that or whatever? Because I think that those, again, that kind of data, is it good to share that data with the PR to say how, what an impact it's had and how do you use it? Yeah, I guess for me, the my data really, I guess, was for more for PR because that's the people that I work with who get the data pay me to see the PR at the moment uh so there have been times that like the stuff that I've done the PR that's landed has increased listenership by 500% on that week which is obviously insane um so you're like oh that's quite nice to know and this is the first time I'd really had that kind of feedback because working TV you can't measure any one thing that you do that really makes an impact which is why I think with podcasts it's so 
exciting that you can say this guest did this so say for example if what we're talking about is you want like high profile people on your podcast and you're talking to an agent definitely tell them like what a positive impact it had you know and do that follow-up afterwards and, and and just be like this was such a good experience thank you so much if you've got anybody else you want to put forward again you know or keep in touch that's a relationship that you know that person will remember because they get to go back to their client and say look you know look what we achieved this was obviously such a good thing and it's it's ex- I guess for PR, it's still kind of growth area to get start getting on podcasts. I get asked all the time how to do it. So the more people are convinced, the less convinced you have to do. If you are a podcaster, though, who, as we said, like doesn't have the contacts, doesn't have a network, they might have, you know, a few mm-hmm. episodes out of their podcast and that's their platform. That's kind of it. Where would you recommend they start looking for guests that are achievable? You know, it's all very well to kind of, like you said, aim for the yeah. stars. But where are good places to find guests who might be willing to come on cold? Because I guess we were talking about like a very small number of podcasts at the moment in terms of like, we're talking about high profile people. So most podcasters are not, they're not doing that. So for me, the way I I help people with this is having the podcast being a really clear concept, having a good digital online presence or wherever you're at networking or seeing people speak and thinking they'd be really great as a guest. Um, And then keeping that as like a running thing that you can then just like, I guess, again, it depends how you record. So say you're doing like, it's easy to batch record guests and get really ahead of it. If you're only doing one a month and you record four over a case of a week or whatever, then you've got that ready to go. Then you can do the next four months later. So you give yourself time to be researching, um, meeting people, getting them booked in and identifying them really. And then also looking at, again, like the feedback in terms of how the guests are going in terms of growth and like, was one person good? Why? Gives you time to sort of maybe analyse that a bit more. I guess it's half me because I think getting guests is really easy. It just is. Like if you think someone's really good and then you've got a podcast that makes sense for them to be on, you ask them. Mm. I think they're going to say yes. But I suppose it's about identifying those people, right? It's about sort of, yeah. you know, if you're kind of just starting from scratch and you're doing a, let's say, a film and TV podcast or whatever. Mm. Or whatever. <laughs> Let's just take that as a random example. Are you starting one, Rihanna? Yeah. Let's not. I think we need to make it more niche than that because we're going to be back to where we were. So. Let's say you're doing a biochemistry podcast. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> so, so this is a difference. Yeah. So, biochemistry podcast, easy. Top universities, you go and look at and see who the top professors are. Mm-hmm. You're proper, I would say proper experts. Okay. Yeah. Then you go and you go and get like um, a science correspondent from the Times. Then you go to Rowan Hooper at New Scientist because he's got a podcast. <laughs> you want him on there. And then you go and you look on YouTube and see he's big on biochemistry. Then you go on Instagram and see he's big on biochemistry. Okay. And then are oh, you seeing how the, the yeah. get in the spread, basically, of like people in that area in different places. Then you launch your eight-episode series and then you've got all these, these audiences mm. in different places that then will be coming into your podcast if you're getting them to share it. And, properly mm-hmm. so that's that's then that's where the magic happens for me god maybe i should set up a biochemistry podcast it sounds incredibly simple <laughs> <laughs> easy peasy <laughs> if only you had a degree in so a- what we're doing here Rihanna, is we're delivering practical <laughs> advice for the biochemistry podcast community very very important <laughs> <laughs> and if you are a biochemist and you're listening, please do text yes. in. <laughs> yeah. Fiona, 
How busy is it in the podcast PR world now? How has it grown in the last few years and how competitive is it? So I guess well, I've been doing it sort of nearly, I don't know if it's two and a half, nearly three years. I'm not sure, one or the other. But when I first started, it wasn't really a thing. And I still, I mean, for me, fortunately, touch wood, because, you know, I've created over those last three years contacts that are just podcasts. So I've been, like, so diligent and specific in, like, building that out into a database of people that write about podcasts. And I think from when I started to now, like, it's grown massively, not just because I've been doing it, but because people are writing more about podcasts. So for me, it's been really exciting to sort of see that growth, see them covered more in the in the mainstream media for like pics or you know the reason I like them is because it's when you're working in tv like the translation of creators onto tv and radio it's not seamless there's this weird sort of still thing that it doesn't quite connect but with podcasts it does so all those kind of contacts that I've got and had for the past 15 years are still relevant but also now I've got all these completely new contacts and over those last few years I've you know I've been able to work out what point things should happen a bit and because to keep the to keep the growth going whereas when you're in tv you push everything up to the front and then just hope for the best um that people watch it because you kind of like well i've told you it's on i, I can't i don't make the show well <laughs> with, with podcasts you can i tend to like spread things out a bit more in quite a specific way so i think i'm I'm still right in saying I'm the only agency in the UK that is just for podcasts, and I was the first. So I don't think it is that competitive still, touch wood. You haven't seen how many emails <laughs> I get. Oh, really? Like, oh, I'd love to know who they're all from. There's a lot of pitching going on out there. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know anybody. Welcome to podcasting. Everyone works alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they, barely, they barely see each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know there's obviously one very big agency. I, I know what you mean. So I've, I've worked on podcasts for agencies and like talent and all of that. So it's it's a bit more split. But like as a specialist, so if you're like a TV specialist, you know, obviously I'm now a podcast specialist. So it's I, I don't know many podcast specialists though. Mm. So it won't be all they do if they're, mm. they're pitching to you, I imagine. But listen, I can't do them all. So <laughs> it's a free country. Just the majority. <laughs> it's very generous of you. Yeah. Very generous. Uh, Fiona thank you so much for chatting to us it's been really illuminating really helpful so thank you oh you're welcome you're welcome thanks for having me very practical good very very practical practical. that's what I like I like people to be able to go away (laughs) you're the Mary Poppins of the podcasting world oh I'm gonna write that down she was practically perfect (laughs) perfectly practical yeah that's a quote you'll see that on the website you'll see that nice So that was Fiona Fraser talking all about guest bookings. Reem, I know you were listening in. What did you think? I thought it was great. It was very interesting. And I met Fiona at the Grow Conference as well. And we spoke before about PR and marketing. So it was interesting to have to hear her perspective on a whole episode dedicated to just the area of booking guests. Because I think when you break down the the areas of like developing a podcast and promoting a podcast, like there definitely could be an episode per each little niche that goes with creating a podcast. So I thought it was very interesting. And then the bit that she mentioned about paying guests and what to do when when guests ask for money, I I was I thought that was very helpful to kind of know about and also to to hear people talking about it because I remember 
in the very early stages of working on PopPod, getting like a couple of emails of people asking for payment. And that was something shocking to me because I didn't think that was common in the podcasting industry. Yeah, I think it's an interesting mix. Adam, I'll be interested to hear your take on this because I've been on podcasts where they actually offer me a fee and actually I normally don't take it because you know if they're a small podcast you don't it's only a a nominal amount of money and actually I'm always like you're you're better off putting that towards growing your podcast Um, I'm going to come on regardless so don't worry about it but that was a real surprise (laughs) to me that was a really lovely kind of thing for them to offer but I have been asked a couple of times for about money I know Mike has and a couple of times and when he says oh I'm afraid we can't pay he's not sponsored it's just him either they'll be like yeah that's absolutely fine i'll do it anyway or they'll be like i'm sorry i'm only taking on paid work at the moment which again is i think a fine response right yeah absolutely i think it's perfectly reasonable if you are somebody particularly who isn't appearing on behalf of a larger organization Mm. if you are a creative for example or a freelancer and independent someone like that it's completely reasonable to not want to just give people an hour of their time. But I don't think paying for guests' time is a standard practice yet. Mm. It's certainly becoming more common, but the majority of podcasts, whether they're part of a larger editorial or content organization, or whether they're kind of smaller independents that maybe don't have kind of as much petty cash on hand, for want of a better term. It's just not standard practice yet. Mm. We don't pay for guests' time, for example. No. And nor will we. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But equally, I don't think there's many podcasters that would take offence at being asked if it was a paid op and indeed being turned down if it wasn't no which is another kind of interesting perspective when you're a freelancer you know we're we're always kind of saying we do not take unpaid jobs but podcasting is certainly an area where that doesn't really work you know we do always it is a good way of kind of growing your own brand as well and it's also really enjoyable and engaging but it's still quite long form so it's a bit of a oxymoron I suppose but yeah as you say it's changing Mm. all the time so who knows what's going to happen in the future I also really enjoyed kind of hearing about how you can find guests like I really liked Fiona's strategy for you know Mm. going to universities going on Instagram going on LinkedIn you know just like a really blanket effect of going to every single outlet you can think of because for me I'd be like I don't know would I just go on on a podcasting app and look through the categories and see who else has guessed it. Mm. So I really liked her ideas. So when she mentioned about things what not to do when finding guests, one of the things was getting the name wrong because many people just kind of like copy paste emails to like five different people. And then sometimes they can miss changing the name. And I've had that happen to me where someone has sent me an email and they've used the wrong name. And Mm -hmm. then that's just like an immediate, okay, I'm not going to actually open this (laughs) or, or engage because I just find it a bit disrespectful and i think it's a it's a big mistake that you can make when you're looking for guests because they, they could act the same way where they're like oh well they're not even gonna bother putting the correct name i'm not gonna bother answering them mm-hmm. so yeah very good what not to do 
Yeah, that was a good one. And I like what she was saying about the flattery aspect because it is, it's so true. If you kind of say, oh, I listened to you on this or I thought you were, you had a really great insight into this, then of course you're immediately going to be like, okay, <laughs> I'm listening. And it's such a basic thing and it just comes down to like, I guess, good manners and doing your research. And the effort, I think, pays off. Thank you so much, Reem and Adam, for joining me on Pod Pod this week. And thank you, of course, to Fiona Fraser for sharing all of her brilliant insights into podcast PR and guest booking. And for any podcasters that want to learn more about the ins and outs of guest booking, Fiona is running a six-week course called Get Booked on Podcasts. The course starts on 5th of June. Pre-sales are open from now until midday on the 24th. Thank you to everyone who's been listening. You can find out so much more on podpod.com. You can sign up to our daily email bulletins. You can follow us on social at podpodofficial. And do give us a shout if you want to know anything about podcasting. We'll try and cover it on the podcast. You can rate and subscribe us. And when I say can, please can you. Like, please can you. We'd love you too. (laughs) Can you? Please. Thanks so much. The podcast is produced by Emma Caution for Haymarket Business Media. And thanks also to Matt Hill for joining me on the interview this week. I've been your host, Rihanna Dillon, and I will see you all next week. (laughs) 